Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for this year's, this week's Know Your Foe episode. The opponent of the Detroit Lions is going to be a great game in Baltimore. And here to join me to talk about that is Tage Seth of Sumer, Sumer Sports. Tage, how are you doing? Good. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Like we were talking before, it's, it's been a while since I've come on here, but always love coming on and talking to you. And I'm glad you're back from London and the Ravens are back from London for this big game that we have coming up on Sunday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, uh, now, Tage, a, uh, a data scientist and went to the University of Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, University he of Michigan. Worked with Matt Weiss, uh, who's the QB coach still now there? He is not with the program anymore. He's he's doing his own thing, but also did a little bit of work for for Mike McDonald as well, who uh, who I'm sure you're you're really familiar with. Oh, so, sure. Yeah, yeah we're, <laughs> we are. We're loving what he's doing on defense right now, so we can. Uh, Maybe to mix a little bit of that in as we go, but what, what do you what do you take us into the current state of the uh, of the Detroit Lions? You've been a long suffering fan, and uh, and tell us what's going on here with the uh, with the Lions. You know, amazing rebuild now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we recorded here, but this is really unprecedented territory for the Lions when you look at their history in the last 10, 20 years. The Lions haven't had this hot of a start since 2011, where they they've started five and one here to open up the season. And then when you look at the way that the Lions are winning games right now, it's not like the same old Lions that you would think of when they would win games by one score where they would need a break or two, a lucky turnover or something along those lines to go their way. These are more dominant wins by the Lions, which I think has a lot of Lions fans like myself really excited. You, especially on the road this season, they went into Kansas City uh, opening night, took advantage of some injuries from Kansas City and, and was able to win that game. They had a really dominant offensive performance against the Packers on Thursday night on the road. And then last week against the Bucks was a really dominant defensive performance. So I think the Lions being able to win in multiple ways right now makes them a pretty good team. And, and that's why I think this matchup against the Ravens will be so exciting. Okay. Uh, maybe take us through some of the offseason acquisitions, some of the big things that happened this offseason. Yeah, for sure. So you have to start with the draft for the Lions. I think their draft was talked about a lot because of the positional value discourse surrounding it. So in the first round was running back Jameer Gibbs, linebacker Jack Campbell. The second round was tight end Sam Laporta and safety uh, slash nickel Brian Branch. And so what's really interesting about this draft, looking back at it six games into the season, is the second round picks, Sam Laporta and Brian Branch, have been much more productive than the first round picks so far. In fact, Laporta and Branch look like they could be in the running for offensive and defensive rookie of the year. They're, they're playing at a really high level right now, while Gibbs and Campbell really haven't done much. So I think that's really interesting to already look back at this soon in the season is like the impact that they're getting from their second round rookies. 
I, I would say I was very high on Dan Campbell. I thought he might go in the top 15. And then, of course, they, the, the Lions got eviscerated for taking him where they did. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I remember seeing people on Twitter saying, okay, if you just rearrange these players, this draft yeah. might make sense. But, uh, but, yeah, definitely some positional value that would not make – I don't think the PFF analysts in particular very happy. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, that, that, that was the, the, the interesting thing is, like, yeah, I mean, you, you did end up getting good value in the second round. Like, Brian Branch was supposed to go higher than he ended up going. But what ended up being, like, the interesting thing out of it is, like, it's the opportunity cost of – what you didn't give up with the Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell picks where you weren't able to maybe take like a Jalen Carter at number six or, or, or something along those lines that could be helping you more right now because you took a running back and a linebacker. So right now it's working out like winning picks is everything as, as you know, but it'll be interesting to look back at in like two, three years and see kind of how those picks un- unfolded. Okay, so the, the uh, obviously the Lions have had some high picks recently, including Aiden Hutchinson. But who who are the big uh, players that are now running into years three and four? Maybe candidates for early extension, or or in year four and, and candidates for that second contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So the big players on the Lions right now, a lot of them are along the offensive line. You have to look at Penny Sewell, who's still so young for someone who's in his third season in the NFL. He's playing at a very high level, should be uh, in in the running to be an an all-pro or a pro bowler this year at right tackle. And then, of course, Amon Ross St. Brown is also someone who should get extended this upcoming offseason here. He ranks top 10 in in most wide receiver metrics, whether you're looking at yards per run or or yards after catch and, and different metrics like that. And I think he's been a really good receiver for them this year, especially a team that came in uncertain with their secondary receiving options. He stepped up big time, but my favorite player that I like to talk about that I don't think a ton of people know about is defensive tackle Aleem McNeil. He was taking them the third round a couple years ago, and he plays the majority of the snaps for this Lions defense. They don't really have a, a second defensive tackle that they trust, so it's been huge for McNeil to step up, get pressure on the quarterback from the interior, and also help the run game. He was a player that I really liked. I know a lot of people did coming out of the draft, but uh, but exciting player there. But that's uh, that's great. It, it, the biggest change probably was one a guy who was already there before and is no stranger to the NFL for many years, Jared Goff, uh, playing at a higher level this year. For sure, yeah. I, I mean, admittedly, I wasn't super high on Jared Goff when he was traded to the Lions. I thought his, his past two years in Los Angeles were – pretty rough from a quarterbacking standpoint, but Jared Goff has improved each year in Detroit in Ben Johnson's offensive system, which has been really impressive. The thing about Jared Goff was always that he would struggle when pressured. He had the biggest gap between his EPA per pass when kept clean versus when pressured last season, but we've seen that gap narrow this season. So I think Jared Goff is is playing better under pressure and he's shown really good chemistry with not only St. Brown, but some of our secondary receivers like uh, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond as well. So the Ravens have been playing very much a, a back-to-front defense this year. And obviously, we, we can talk about this at the end of the offense, but I'm really interested in, in hearing what you're saying about golf. Uh, the Ravens have pressured quarterbacks tremendously well. A lot of that's due, due to a very patient spider-like zone defense they've been playing. A lot of a lot of cover two they start in, obviously, can match up out of that, can do other things. When you, when, once you, it's not always quarters. But uh, it seems like, this has been extremely well suited to basically either force the ball outside quickly, force other teams to try and run, which they've been effective even with a six-man box stopping, 
or uh, quarterbacks really are taking their chances when they try to throw deep against it. How, how would you see the, the Lions trying to match up against the Ravens and try to take advantage of what they present defensively? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Ravens defense is, is really, really good, um, especially like the, the simulated pressures and the way that they use blitzers to get pressure on the quarterback. Actually, like a, a funny tidbit is so Amazon, the Prime Vision broadcast has their uh, expected blitzer model now where they'll, they'll highlight a player in a red orb if they if they think that they're going to blitz on the play and mike mcdonald's defense last season had the lowest accuracy rate of predicting when blitzers would run of any of any defenders so he's done a tremendous job with that but i think that the lions are going to try to use a lot of three by one sets to Mm -hmm. get an uneven defense to be able to throw over the middle jared goff is best when he's throwing in breakers over the middle to saint brown and laporta so if they can get this three by one set where they're drawing either roquan smith or patrick queen out of the middle of the field to be able to pass against that that's what i see ben johnson doing that game because if not i think it it, it'll be a struggle for the lions offense Okay, that's interesting. Is it's it, the linebackers have definitely been one of the keys. Is they've been a lot better in coverage this year. Queen, obviously, famous for being a, yeah. a very poor coverage player, but Roquan also even has been uh, has been quite good. So uh, the big the big key for the Ravens also has been Kyle Hamilton when he's playing nickel and hasn't been on the whole year, but when he's playing nickel, they are devastating in terms of uh, of getting that uh, short area zone covered very well. Uh, I I am I I really it was interested by your comments there. In terms of the uh, simulated pressure, this this last game where they're facing a quarterback who's very good in Tannehill at finding a hot read, zero off-ball blitzes the entire game. So they didn't bring anybody from level two or or even off the slot uh, to blitz the quarterback. They, they brought one the, the entire game. Simulated pressures where they had, they used two. And for me, you often simulate a pressure with ones. I don't want to categorize that differently. I haven't recorded, but they had about four of those ones, and they had – one, two, the entire game. And whereas normally they might have seven, eight, nine uh, against a quarterback who who is has a harder time reading things or an offensive line that has a harder time getting their calls made. But uh, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm interested to hear that comment about expected blitzing. That that model sounds great. Now, I'd love to get a link from you on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and if you watch the Prime Vision broadcast on Amazon, you can see it. It, it just debuted last week. And uh, my friend Sam Schwartzstein that does the Amazon broadcast was filling me in on how Mike McDonald was kind of breaking the model for them. And, and they, they, when they were training the model, they had to adjust for some of the things that he was doing and everything. So it's, it's really cool to look at when you see it live on, on TV. That, that just the, the things they'll think of next you kids, that's fantastic stuff. <laughs> that really is. Uh, how about the current state of the offensive line? You talked about Penny Sewell a little bit, but take us across from left to right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the offensive line in its best state is Taylor Decker at left tackle. And then they've kind of been playing around with which combination of the guards they want. But Graham Glasgow, who used to be a Lion, went to go be a a Bronco for a little bit and now is back to being a Lion at left guard. And then Frank Ragnow as center, one of the better centers in the league uh, from from my perspective. Jonah Jackson at right guard and then Penny Sewell at right tackle. So that's been their best version of the offensive line this year because of some guard injuries they've had to play different players at guard last week against the Buccaneers they were playing two backup guards both at right guard and left guard so you know pending health we might see that again in this game but I don't think the it's finalized exactly what 
that is going to happen at those spots. But as long as you have Frank Ragnow at center and then Decker and Sewell as your two tackles, you should still feel pretty good about the offensive line, especially from a pass blocking perspective. All right, very good. I'm just looking at Decker a little bit in terms of his PFF stats. Looks like he hasn't been as good a run blocker as a pass blocker, but mm-hmm. that's okay. That's what you want from your left tackle, right? A better pass blocker. Yeah. And uh, is there been any continuity issues in terms of, of them playing together, uh, creating issues in terms of a pass rush? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that when they've had, because since they've only, the starting offensive line has only played 130 snaps together this season, which is 32% of the Lions plays. I think there has been some continuity issues when they've had to go to these these backup guards here. And you can see that the production, the, the EPA numbers do dip a little bit when they've played backup guards. So they've, they've always been better pass blockers than run blockers as the unit. And, and that's continued even with the injuries. So I, I think you could expect that in this game as well. All right. Well, it's, it's obviously it's more important. So that's uh, that's the better thing to be good at. Jared Goff, Hummon Road. How has he looked over this year and, and the last year, say? Yeah, I mean, Jared Goff, I think, has, uh, you know, had some struggles on the road in, in the past before. He was kind of known for a quarterback who could play really well in, in domes and indoors, but struggle a little bit outdoors and, and on the road. I think that looked a little bit better against the Buccaneers, but hasn't been tested a ton in different types of weather so far. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out on Sunday. All right. I don't think it, I don't think an extreme weather game is expected. Yeah. I think it'll be in the fifties, so uh, so that'll be okay. Uh, how about the wide receiver core? Take us through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like I mentioned earlier, it starts at the top with Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you know, he, the offense runs through him. He's he's really good at finding soft spots in zone. I think that his metrics would probably show up that he's better against zone than man if you were to look at those splits. So it'll be it'll be cool to see what McDonald has, uh, you know, kind of schemed up for him and, and what type of defender he puts on him. But then you have Jamison Williams coming back from suspension. He was suspended for the first four games of the season and has had minimal snaps in these last two games, but ended up catching a touchdown pass on one of his his uh, couple snaps against the Buccaneers. So I, I would expect his his usage to start to increase, but the Lions have been able to get production out of Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond as secondary receivers. So Reynolds and Raymond can be used as these intermediate type level receivers that can break off yards after catch in space. And I think Ben Johnson is one of the better offense coordinators in the NFL at, at getting to those concepts. So I would, would like to see more of them, uh, you know, playing out there as well. Okay. Very good. All right. Looking through this. Uh, let's talk about the, the uh, tight ends. Any Anybody you want to uh, – Laporta, talk about him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Laporta for a rookie tight end has, has really, like, uh, been an outlier when you look at other rookie tight end seasons. Across the NFL right now, he's second in receiving yards behind Travis Kelsey. He's third in yards after catch, and he's sixth in total EPA when targeted. I think that he's been schemed up well and has, had, and has shown a good contested catch ability as well. Uh, Brock Wright, who played well at times last year, has not really seen the field that much. And when he has been, it, it hasn't been in, in uh, catching roles. So Laporta is the main receiving tight end. And then they're using Brock Wright as more of the blocking tight end when they get into 12 personnel. So it doesn't sound like it, it, you're basically telling me, I think, and I see that Brock Wright has six receptions here. They don't play a lot of 12. I'm not looking at total snaps here. But can you give me an idea percentage of 12 this team uses? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they used 11 personnel, 57% of the time, which is 21st out of 32 uh, rate wise. And then they, they actually do use 12 personnel, a decent amount, 26% of the time, which is the eighth most in the NFL. It's just when Brock Wright is in, when Brock Wright and Sam Laporta are both in, Wright usually stays in the block or is used more of a decoy while Laporta would be somewhat of the passing concept. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so one of the things, if the Ravens are able to move Hamilton to nickel again and they have to pick up a safety to do it, it looks like this week, then that really makes their defense extremely versatile in a way because Hamilton's kind of an ideal guy to have in there in the slot against either 11 or 12 personnel. It just creates a lot of problems for, for offenses there. Uh, it's, it's interesting to hear. Okay, running back, tell me the situation of Gibbs's injury and, and uh, Montgomery and take us through yeah, I mean the running back room has gotten pretty pretty injured here these these past couple of weeks. Gibbs has missed the the past two games with injury. Uh, is expected to come back this game, but right when he's expected to come back, David Montgomery goes out with injury. He's expected to be out for a couple of weeks, so it's going to be really interesting to see how the Lions handle this because so much of the run game was was going through David Montgomery for a lot of the season. So without him. They're going to lean on Jameer Gibbs and Craig Reynolds as that that second running back as well. And so the Lions probably don't want to be in this situation because Montgomery was such a good pass blocking running back for them, but they haven't really trusted Gibbs to pass block yet. And and Reynolds is is a little bit smaller than Montgomery as well for for that side of things. So you know I I would expect instead of doing that they'll they'll probably use. 12 personnel a little bit more like we were just talking about to have that extra blocker in there if needed instead of having David Montgomery as as running back. But from a rushing and receiving standpoint, like I think Gibbs and, and Reynolds can be pretty good there. It'll just be a little bit tougher to do some of the other stuff you were doing with Montgomery before. Do, do they have a fullback? I, I, I see Jason Cabinda here on the on the roster, but do they have a, do they have a guy they line up in the backfield fairly regularly or is he more of a, a guy they line up uh, a tight end or H back or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cabinda will line up when they get into I formation on like about 7% of plays. He'll, he'll line up back there. You usually see it in short yardage, third and one, fourth and one to, to kind of get that extra blocker going. But they, like you mentioned, like they don't use it a ton. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, you talked a little bit about personnel and, and uh, common formations, obviously the I on short yardage, uh, mostly a single back set, three and one wide receivers and, and tight end. What do they, what do they normally show up as? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, uh, single back is something that they use a lot. They use on 36% of plays, which is second most in the league. And, and they've been pretty good passing out of out of single back this year. That's really when they like to get into their play action shot plays is when they're in single back formation. And then obviously they use, they use shotgun uh, 47% of the time, but that's pretty low relative to yeah, other well. NFL teams. So uh, they they don't like to use shotgun a ton because they're they're pretty diverse with the formations that they use. Uh, I formation, like we talked about, seven percent of the time, and then they'll even get into empty about seven percent of the time as well. Uh, you know, usually on on late downs, like most teams do, and, and they've had success in a small sample size out of empty this season, but it hasn't been uh, like too large of a sample to say that they're they're really good out of it for sure. So I don't remember whether or not Goff was great at that. I kind of think of Goff as being a play-action quarterback who, who is comfortable turning his back on the field. Is that the case? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so actually the 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Really interesting thing with that was when when Goff would turn his back to on, on play action to the defense when he was in his last couple of years in Los Angeles, defenses started rotating coverages at a higher rate than league average. And when Goff would turn back around, it, it was really confusing uh, for him to see a new safety rotation than before. Yeah. So Ben Johnson's taken a lot of that out of the offense. You'll see a couple of plays where he turns his back, but most of the play action is you know either in that single back where he's he's keeping his head forward or out of shotgun where it's just a quick uh, you know put into the running backs and then and release and, and be still able to look at the defense. Okay, so it says a, a hand check or a forward facing mm-hmm. fake as I would have a large group. So that's kind of the Lamar Jackson play action way from yes. his early career. At that uh, that's interesting way, but they don't run out of pistol too much. Do they, or do they run out of pistol when they're in shotgun? So. No, they almost never use pistol. That's barely in the playbook. Yeah. Okay, so it'd be a sidecar, kind of a forward check to a, mm-hmm. to a running backs. Not, and they're not at all the way into the mesh team for RPO. They're more of a check to the mesh kind of kind of team. Yeah, no, I don't think they run a ton of RPOs. I don't have the data on that, but just from what I've seen, I think it's more of just like the binary play action, no play action from the the sidecar, like you were saying. Okay. All right. Well, very cool. Uh, the Ravens. Huge perceived weakness at cornerback. It may be an actual weakness. I, I don't think they've really been tested, honestly, so far, and this week could be it. Um, how would you expect to be talked a little bit about three-by-one formations as a way? You know, I think one of the ways the Ravens have been effective is by playing this cover-two shell, they've actually minimized the responsibilities of their cornerbacks up front. Talk a little bit about how the, how the Lions might go at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the Ravens have done a really good job of limiting explosives this year, even with the, the secondary, some of the corners being an issue, like you were saying. So I, I think, again, like this will be another Lions, like intermediate passing attack game where they're just trying to use these these different ensemble of weapons in that five to 15 air yard range, especially over the middle of the field on, on those inbreakers that Goff likes to throw. So whether it's St. Brown or Laporta or even some of the secondary receivers, they'll, they'll try to do that. And what Ben Johnson has kind of done throughout this season is around this, the, usually it's the second quarter, he'll have like one dialed up shot play that he's been waiting to call the whole game. Uh, it was a Laporta touchdown against the Packers on Thursday night. It was the Jameson Williams touchdown this past weekend where he just really wants to make sure that the Lions get one or two of those every game and, and that Goff ends up hitting those. So again, like I would, I would expect to see that somewhere somewhere in the second quarter once he feels like he gets a good grasp of what the Ravens are doing on defense. But I mean, like we mentioned, like the Ravens defense is, 
is going to be the best defense lines I've seen so far this year. So I don't know if they'll be able to hit that as easily as they've done with other teams, but that'll be something that I'll, I'll keep my eye on for sure. All right. All right. Very good. Let's flip over the defensive side of the ball here. I think we hit everybody on offense. Uh, like to start always with what do you do on a passing down? Uh, generally speaking, are they a committed nickel team? Do they bring in a, a, a dime back? What do they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with, with branch healthy, which I assume he will be in this game, they, they will get into a decent amount of, um, you know, heavy DBs on the field where they can bring in Will Harris who has struggled at times, but is in a little bit of a better role now. And, and Brian Branch will be out there. And then they can really lean into their other defensive backs, like on the outside, Cam Sutton and, and Jerry Jacobs. So I definitely I definitely see situations where they'll bring on an extra defensive back in, in passing situations. Okay. Let's uh, uh, take us through the defensive line from left to right and uh, uh, talk a little bit about strengths and weaknesses there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, just starting uh, with Aiden Hutchinson, I think he's he's played pretty well this year. Um, you know, as, as forced pressures at the second highest rate in the league, I believe, behind Max Crosby, uh, has, has cleaned up a decent amount of stacks and then even got an interception. Um, you know, against Bryce Young a couple a couple weeks ago as well. In the middle, like I mentioned, that Lee McNeil, who's who I think is is one of the more underrated players on the team plays that that first defensive tackle role but they they kind of do move him around a decent amount and they've gotten into some packages this year where they'll put McNeil and Hutchinson on the same side and, and really expected passing situations and have both of them rush the pass they're their two best pass rushers and then on the the second defensive tackle kind of is a rotation between Isaiah Bugs who forced an interception last weekend but has struggled sometimes with his pass rush and then Benito Jones, who will, who will fill that second spot, who is kind of the opposite. He he's not great in run defense, a little bit of a better pass rusher. And then that the second edge spot is also a, a decent rotation. Usually it's John Kaminsky, but sometimes you'll see one of the Okwara brothers or uh, Charles Harris fill in as well. Harris, I believe. Make sure I'm not muted. Yeah, Harris had a big game, I believe, against the Ravens the last time they played. So in Detroit, so that was uh, you know certainly something we we not want to see again here, but uh, move off ball for us and tell us uh, who they look uh, to have in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so linebacker wise, Alex Anzalone plays like ninety seven percent of snaps for this team at, at linebacker. He's he's been someone that got to Detroit and struggled at the beginning, but. He stuck around and, and kept working and is, has definitely played a lot better and, and up to expectations for sure. And then the second linebacker spot is usually Derek Barnes, uh, who was a, a fifth round draft pick two years ago and has, has definitely has his moments and is, is a good run defender, but struggles in pass coverage sometimes. And then Jack Campbell will fill in as well in that, that second linebacker spot or if they want to go three linebackers and he's actually been used a decent amount on pass rushing from the second level this season I think that they've they've really liked what they've seen from him there but he doesn't play a ton like the uh, Anzalone and Barnes are, are the two most common linebackers for them okay now I'm noticing Campbell has looks like 181 snaps here so far this year so about 30 snaps a game is he playing outside then in four three alignments or what's what's he actually where, where does he actually line up usually Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's moved he's moved around a decent amount. Um, yeah, because since Anzalone will usually take that 
that middle spot, I, they will stick Campbell outside sometimes. But again, like sometimes he even lines up uh, like pretty near the line of scrimmage and in and, and different looks just to kind of show that he might be rushing the passer and stuff. So that's been pretty cool to see from defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. So I'm noticing Anzalone has, th- has the most snaps of anybody except for cornerbacks here. I assume he's got the green dot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe he does, yes. Okay. All right, very good. Take us through the secondary. Yeah, so, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, like secondary was the main focus for this team this offseason. They, they made some pretty big signings at defensive back. Two of them ended up getting injured pretty early into the season and CJ Gardner Johnson and Emmanuel Mosley. So they've had to dip into some of the players that were starting in the secondary last year. But Cam Sutton has played the, the most snaps on this team this season. He he was signed from Pittsburgh this offseason and has played well, it has exceeded my expectations at corner, at, at outside corner. The other outside corner is Jerry Jacobs who, again, was an undrafted free agent who was just playing out of necessity these past couple seasons and got slotted further down the depth chart because of the signings, but is now back to starting as well because of some of the injuries that have been happening. Then you have Tracy Walker, who has kind of changed roles here. He was playing more of a free safety last year, is playing a strong safety this year. Uh, Kirby Joseph, who has gone from playing that strong safety role to corner and then Brian Branch, who I've been talking about a lot, who is supposed to be coming off injury here, who can play that nickel role. And I think he's been phenomenal this year. So that kind of rounds out the secondary. Kind of interesting matching up against another team where, you know, a a converted safety is playing the nickel. (laughs) Is that a, um, is that, do you think that's Branch's final landing spot in the NFL? Do you think he's too valuable to play there? May play at, at free safety or strong safety at some point later in his career. That's a great question. Yeah, I think because of his his play speed being so well, I think he ended up might moving to safety eventually because you're right. Like I think I think someone could fill in at nickel to to allow him to be more versatile. And you know, I I, I think that he would excel at, at that position as well, like he is right now in his current situation. What are they getting out of him as a pass rusher? I see he's got a couple of pressures. Not not really used very often as a pass rusher. Does it look like? Yeah, I was gonna say I don't I don't remember him being used a ton as as a pass rusher, but I mean what's what's kind of impressed me the most about him and like you saw this in his first preseason game too is the speed at which he can fit runs from the second mm-hmm. level has has been really impressive. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson is is probably the toughest rusher that they've faced this entire season. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of can can reach Lamar Jackson on those on those read options and, and stuff, but that'll that'll be something I'm I'm looking out for for sure. Okay, all right. Everybody loved Brian Branch coming out of school. A lot of people had him as a first round pick, and he ended up getting drafted where early in the second round. Mm-hmm. Well, he actually ended up getting drafted at, at pick forty six, so so middle That's of the second round. Great yeah, value. It's unbelievable value for him. Yeah, all right. I know. I was surprised that he he fell that far, and, and was pretty excited when he was taken. Okay, outstanding. Uh, let me get back to my questions here. Make sure I, I finish this off here. But you're doing great here. This is you're very terse in terms of description of these players. Sometimes we have a people on who wax much more poetic about this. Um, in, in terms of uh, what the Lions present in terms of a pass rush uh, personnel, I think you've gone over some of that. But how about scheme? Do they do a lot of off ball blitzing, stunts, uh, simulated pressures? What's their the main trick in the bag? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's actually really interesting, and I, I, I've been talking about this a little bit this week, but 
Aaron Glenn as defensive coordinator. This is the third year in Detroit and has rolled out defenses that have ranked pretty low in most metrics, you know, usually at the bottom of the league. And I was always a defender of him because I thought he just didn't have the personnel to work with. Like I, I didn't think the players on defense were that good. And he tried to do a lot of things. He, he, like when we played Justin Jefferson last year, he tried one double and, and bracketing and Adam Thielen ended up going off for over 150 yards. And, and so it was different stuff like that where he just didn't have the secondary receivers this year, since he has a lot of good players on defense, it's more of he's, he's keeping the scheme a little bit more vanilla and just letting the the defense play. But when he does like to, to turn up the, the, um, you know, turn the, the dials here. He, he'll, he'll go into some blitzing and, and, you know, like, like I was mentioning, use Jack Campbell. Maybe have five defensive linemen on the field since lines are pretty deep at edge rusher and outside of Hutchinson and, and can use that, that secondary stuff. So he'll, he'll throw some five or six man rushes out there just, just to heat up the quarterback from time to time. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, in terms of how they defend the Ravens specifically and the weapons they present, the biggest is probably Zay Flowers at this point, who hasn't really been utilized deep very often. It's been a lot of short and intermediate routes, get the ball out of Lamar's hands quickly. Both offensive tackles are healthy now. They both probably played their best games this last week. Actually, Moses did play better, but but Stanley definitely played his best game this last week. Um, how do you how do you see them trying to deal with Flowers in particular and what the combination of Jackson and Flowers presents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's something that's going to be pretty intriguing about this game is when the Lions do get sacks and, and they do get pressure, there are more of slower pressures because Hutchinson is, is more of a finesse type rusher instead of having high bend. And, and I think some of the other pass rushers are like that as well. So I think I'm very curious to see what Lamar does when he he's standing in the pocket and he has more than two and a half seconds to throw where quarterbacks have gotten in trouble against the Lions this year is because the secondary has played well. They've taken a lot of coverage sacks and coverage pressures, but Lamar, we know that Lamar isn't like that. So I'm I like, I think his internal clock is going to be pretty sped up in this game where he's going to be looking for flowers and Andrews and then kind of moving off and, and running. So I would expect the Lions to use Anzalone on Andrews have some type of, um, you know, branch and sudden uh, like, line up to, to deal with flowers based on where he aligns, whether it's in the slot or, or more outside and, and they're, they'll kind of decide what to use on him from outside of there. But I could see someone like Jack Campbell or Derek Barnes being used as somewhat of a spy on Lamar in this game to make sure that he's, he's not breaking contain and, and running for big games because the Lions have been really susceptible to mobile quarterbacks these past couple of years under, under Aaron Glenn. Okay. And that's interesting. I, um, the teams that have had a lot of success against Lamar the Browns and the Bengals uh, probably are, t- are two who, who now, you know, are used to it by this point. They seem to, you know, the normal rule is your, your spy or your guy in level two in the short zone to the side of the roll um, is, is tasked with rushing the quarterback as soon as the quarterback breaks the pocket. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he'll, he'll, he'll roll out. And then that guy, it, those, those two teams and with fast linebackers, um, as soon as Lamar starts to move, they break the pocket. They, they, yeah. uh, break off their spy or break off their, their short zone responsibilities and, and head downhill. Um, that, that seems to have been very effective. In fact, JOK, when he got hurt once, that was, that was uh, what had been done to him. And, uh, and other teams have done that too. Campbell, I, I, he's a huge hulking monster of a player. Is he quick enough to spy Lamar? 
Yeah. So that's the interesting thing about him is he's, he, I mean, he's a really big guy and he, he showed up really well in all the athletic thing events that they do at the, at the combine. So I, I, if you put Anzalone on Andrews, which is what I think that they're going to do, then you're going to have to lean on, on Barnes or, or Campbell to spy on Lamar, but that that's going to be the trade-off that they have to make, or you could flip it, put Campbell who has less experience guarding these types of players on Andrews and then have Anzalone do that. And you can feel more comfortable about that, but Andrews might have a big day. So I think that's the, the you know, the problem for sure that the Ravens offense presents is, is that, that pull and push that you have to take there. Okay. All right. Very good. How about you go to tell us one player on each side of the ball for the Lions who you think matches up particularly well against the Ravens? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think, I'll, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with Josh Reynolds for, for the lions. I, I think, I think he's going to have that, that big day in the intermediate area that we were talking about earlier. And then I, yeah, I have to go back to, to, um, to Brian branch as well. I'm really excited to see that matchup if he gets put on Zay flowers. And I, I think he's, he's playing really well. Maybe he'll be a little bit limited coming back from injury, but I still think that he should match up pretty well against, against flowers. And that'll be a really cool matchup to see because I think both of their their speeds and the way that they move is, is pretty different. Okay. Well, very good. Outstanding stuff, Tage. And I always appreciate how prepared you are coming to the show, know all the percentages of various packages and whatnot that the, that the Lions play. Clearly uh, you're, you're living the high life right now without Detroit's playing. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work, uh, talk to you on Twitter, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you letting me do this. Yeah, I can be found on Twitter at TEJFB Analytics. So Tage FB Analytics. And then anything on sumersports.com, S-U-M-E-R sports.com is uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that me and then my boss, Eric Eager, who comes on the show, and different stuff that we've worked on, whether it's data that we have on our website, whether it's articles or, or podcasts that we're doing, is stuff that you can find on there as well. What's the the end product for Sumer Sports that you guys are trying to sell or or produce internally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the so I'm on the consumer side of the company. The the business side is working with NFL teams, helping them with roster optimization. They have a lot of tools for that. On the consumer side, with Eric and I, we are working on a lot of tools of our own that consumers can use, uh, you know, different data that people can access that they might not have access to if they don't code or, or they don't, you know, aren't looking in the right places. And then we have a, a suite of fantasy football tools that eventually will be available for people to use next year, uh, like stuff to help them with their draft and, and in-season moves and different, different products like that. So it's, it's pretty exciting right now to be working on all that stuff. Okay, so team usage, fantasy football. Is there some gambling component to what you've got, too, in terms of data available? Not yet, but I think that's something that that Sumer will probably do eventually. Okay, very cool. So uh, great you're living the life and getting to, to, to work in NFL football analytics, Tage. Always outstanding to have you on the show. And uh, Tage, when he's an intern at PFF, also working for Eric, producing just some fabulous stuff, was on the show. We probably recognize the name by now, uh, probably five times by now in, in terms of various things you presented, uh, but always entertaining to have you on. Really appreciate you coming on. Other folks yeah, out thanks there, so much for having me on. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. You know the drill by now, but I'd love to hear from you. If you've got a thought experiment, uh, a new analytic process, whatever it might be, uh, just uh, rip me off a, a message and we'll talk about it very quick, very soon. Tage, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.